You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecocks show. I'm your host, Matt Anderson, and I'm your host for all things Gamecocks After Dark. So, I'm still enjoying the win over Mississippi State last weekend. Um, Big time win for the Gamecocks to get back to 2-2 on the season and and 1-1 in the SEC. Uh, Things don't get any easier this week for South Carolina, as life is in the SEC with the Gamecocks. I'm traveling to Knoxville, Tennessee to face the number 21 ranked Tennessee Volunteers at 7.30 p.m. in Neyland Stadium. Uh, Currently, the line is... Tennessee minus 12. Um, I saw it a little bit higher than that earlier in the week, but um, that kind of primes the pump for Saturday night. Well, and we'll talk more about this game at the end of this, at the end of the show, like we always do when I, when I give my prediction. But um, if you guys want to reach out to me, um, as always, you can reach me at late night Gamecock show at gmail.com, or you can find me on the big sperm message boards under the username, Matt Anderson. Um, as always, if you haven't joined um, the Big Spur yet. I, I really do feel like you're missing out. Um, a lot of content there. A lot of fans giving their takes, their opinions, their thoughts. You obviously have the the experts that are the staff members of the Big Spur who who hear pretty much everything there is to know about Gamecock sports, not just football. So I encourage you to do a free trial. See what see if you like the BigSpur.com. Um, I've been a member of the Big Spur for a lot longer than I've been a staff of the Big Spur, and, and for my money, uh, Big Spur is just absolutely the best in the business. So I want to do a quick whip around around the SEC last week. Um, that's normally what we do at this point in the show. For those of you that missed it, um, Georgia remained undefeated, beating UAB by a score of 49 to 21. Um, interesting enough, the Bulldogs were only winning seven nothing in the first quarter at the end of the first quarter of this game, um, and then. Um, they scored 21 points in the second quarter, but UAB also scored 14 points in the second quarter. So it was a 28-14 game at halftime, and it really is becoming a trend now for the Georgia Bulldogs to to sort of start start a little bit slow. Um, we saw it in pretty much every game this year, and we saw it firsthand when the Gamecocks were took a, a 10 or 11 point lead into halftime against Georgia. So um, just. Make note of that. I don't know if it's going to be a long-term trend for Georgia. Um, I don't think they are quite as talented on offense as they have been in previous years. Um, the defense is still pretty pretty salty. But, um, yeah, just something to, to, to take note of because that is the number one team in the country. And, and right now, I, I wouldn't say Georgia is playing as the number one team in the country. Uh, when you look at what Georgia did um, through the air, Carson Beck was 22 of 32 for 338 yards and three touchdowns. I had a QBR of 83.9. Um, really, really good QBR number. Carson Beck is asked to be a game manager for most of his games this season, and he's doing a really good job there protecting the football. Um, of note, uh, Gunnar Stockton, a former commitment of South Carolina under Muschamp and Bobo, he did go two for three uh, for 19 yards, but he did throw an interception. So um, we've always wondered if Gunnar Stockton was ever going to see the field at Georgia, and he got on there. He got on the field this week, and you know I, I feel like Gamecocks probably got the better end of that deal with getting Spencer Rattler and and not having Gunnar Stockton on the roster. But um, it's a, it's a tough quarterback room to break through when you still have Brock Vandegrift um, behind Carson Beck, who was a, you know five star recruit in his own right. Uh, Georgia did pile up 188 yards rushing at a clip of 5.2 
yards per rush, and they scored four touchdowns. And that was to be expected. I mean, I really think that Georgia's being extremely vanilla to start the season this year. Um, it, it was a balanced passing and rushing day for Georgia with 40 pass attempts to 36 rushing attempts. Um, so, I mean, Bulldogs scored seven touchdowns. They won 49-21, about what we would expect. Uh, Georgia, again, did not give up 100 yards rushing to UAB. UAB had 86 yards rushing, and their quarterback threw for 250 yards on 51 attempts. Um, of note, you know, we talk about that Georgia defense, and yeah, they only had one sack in this game, and they only had five tackles for loss. So I, I think there are some some chinks in the Georgia Bulldog um, football team this year. And, you know, for the SEC, the SEC is going to need LSU or Alabama to run the table to make sure that the Gamecocks have at least at least one or two teams in the college football playoff because, as we know, it's better to have a, a loss earlier in the season than it is to have a loss later in the season. So Georgia's going to have some some tough games ahead of them going forward. Um, and their schedule isn't that crazy, but they do go to Auburn this weekend. They have um, they play Florida. They finish with one, two, three, four teams ranked. Four of the last five games are against ranked opponents. So still think Georgia runs the table. I still think they're the class of the SEC, but um, just worth noting as we whip around the SEC today. Uh, one of the best games of the week was um, LSU versus Arkansas. Uh, LSU did win the game 34-31, but Arkansas had the lead at halftime, uh, made the game interesting in the fourth quarter. Uh, I predicted that game would be a little bit closer <clears throat> than um, than what the line was at 17.5 points. And you know, LSU probably had a little bit of a rest on your laurels type game after you know soundly defeating Mississippi State the weekend before. Uh, Jaden Daniels for LSU had another great game, 20 of 29, 320 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Logan Diggs, who Gamecock fans might remember, had a had a had a big game, carrying the ball 14 times for 97 yards. Uh, Logan Diggs was the guy that Gamecocks finished second for in the transfer portal, and um, you know LSU receivers are always are always pretty athletic and pretty freaky, and it's no different this year. Malik Neighbors had a down game for his his standards with. Eight catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Malik Neighbors is probably going to be a, a first-round NFL draft pick. And then Brian Thomas Jr. had five catches for 133 yards and two touchdowns for LSU. Uh, K.J. Jefferson had a, had a pretty decent game. I, I think that Jaden Daniels definitely outdueled him in this one. But K.J. Jefferson went 21 of 31 for 289 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. The Razorbacks were able to get their rushing game going, You know, racking up 137 yards rushing. And um, Arkansas wide receivers, um, you know, they had one, two, three, four, five guys making catches. Um, at the end of the day, LSU is just more talented top to bottom than Arkansas. The game was in Baton Rouge, and um, it was always going to be a tough, a tough, tough ask for Arkansas. But, um, you know, it's worth noting, great game. Um, Arkansas and LSU play each other down to the wire. And um, good for the SEC for LSU to, to remain a one-loss team right now. Probably what some people thought was the game of the week going into the week last week was um, kind of what I would consider like kind of a boring game. Uh, you had Ole Miss traveling to Alabama. Alabama um, ended up winning the game twenty-four to ten. Kind of imposed their will on on defense against against a, a tough Ole Miss team that usually has a great offense. Um, we'll stick with Ole Miss to start this out. Jackson Dart was twenty of thirty-five for two hundred and forty-four yards and an interception. 
Um, I think we can kind of, you know, peel back the layers on that Heisman conversation I had for Jackson Dart. I really needed to see him do a little bit more than what he what he what he did against uh, against Alabama, and that was going to be one of those Heisman defining games. Um, Ole Miss, you know, couldn't get anything going running the ball. That's becoming a that's becoming a trend with the Alabama defense. Um, not many teams are able to really get the get the run game established. Um, Alabama went back to Jalen Milrow at quarterback and had a pretty solid game. Um, kind of a game manager in a, in a sense. Uh, 17 of 21 for 225 yards, a touchdown, interception. Um, I think the Jackson Dart probably outplayed Jalen Milrow, but I think Alabama's talent and and look if 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 I had been a little bit smarter and stuck to my guns a little bit more, um, I probably should have probably should have considered Alabama to to cover that that six and a half seven point spread that that it was a kickoff. Um, Alabama, for all their struggles this year, is still Alabama, and I think that a lot of people need to remember that. And we'll see what Alabama does the rest of the way. Um, it's good for the SEC, like I said, to have two one loss teams that are still highly ranked. Although this year might be a crazy year. I mean, I think you might have to go undefeated to get into the college football playoff this year um, as we're still really early in the season. But a lot of teams with one loss already that were your top top four, top five teams in the country. So um, pay attention to Ole Miss and, and Alabama. Ole Miss is by no means out of it um, going forward. But um, you know, they, have a, they, had, they had a really tough stretch, you know, going at Alabama this past week. This week they will they'll host LSU. And then next week, or the following week, they'll play Arkansas. So tough stretch here for Ole Miss. And then they they also have to go to Georgia later in the year. So Ole Miss has always been a team that you kind of consider, you know, right on the cusp um, of doing great things. But SEC West is very difficult, and it, it's tough to break through there. The next game we're going to talk about is our opponent this week. Um, Tennessee um, dispatched of the UTSA Roadrunners 45-14. Uh, UTSA was a great story last year. I think they lost their offensive coordinator. They might have lost a couple other key key either coaches or, or players, but they really were just no match for Tennessee. UTSA is one and three on the season. Um, Tennessee, you know, probably had a sour taste in their mouth after the Florida game, and they came out and they and they did some nice things. I'm um, just looking at the box score here. You know, Joe Milton was 18 to 31 for 209 yards, two touchdowns, QBR of 86, so a really high number. He was very effective in this game. Uh, rushing the ball, Tennessee piled up three over 300 yards rushing to a clip of 9.2 yards per rush. Um, I've, I've said this for a while, and I do think that Tennessee is going to have to be a team this year that really leans into their running game. And you know, right now Tennessee hasn't played the toughest schedule in the country. Um, so far, at least. I mean, they played Virginia, two no-names, and then Florida. And their only test of the season was Florida, which they really um, didn't really show me much in that game. I think there's a, it's a transition year for Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee still has yet to have a, a wide receiver total 100 yards receiving either for them or against them this season. So it's just an interesting statistic to be four games through the season and kind of see those those numbers there. So um, Tennessee did lose a fumble. They put the ball on the ground twice, um, losing one. Uh, Tennessee defense, you know, they, they they tend to feast against teams that are inferior to them, and they did have four sacks and, and seven tackles for loss. So we'll see. We'll talk more about Tennessee here in a little bit, but um, they, they got their, their win over the UTSA Roadrunners to get to 3-1 and one on the season. Um, another another kind of dull game, Florida defeated Charlotte 22-7. to 
Uh, Florida was up 16-7 to at halftime and then only managed two field goals the rest of the way. Charlotte is not a good football team. I think that, you know, as we talk about Florida and Tennessee, and, and both of them are ranked right now, you, you kind of got to say, okay, are they really top 25 caliber teams or are they just benefiting from, you know, Florida did play a tough Utah game to open the season. That was their one loss of the year. But I think Tennessee and Florida are really close to each other, you know, despite the score last week with the Gators winning. Uh, Graham, Mer- Graham Merch is still being incredibly efficient. Um, it's really interesting to look at this, but he was 20 of 23 for 259 yards and a touchdown, but he had a QBR of 53.7. So as we talk about, 50 is the kind of the baseline for, for QBR, and he was just a little bit above baseline. Uh, so 20 of 23, um, I, I don't know how QBR is tabulated, but definitely not um, not a strong game from that, from that standpoint, that metric. Uh, Florida did have 136 yards on the ground, but only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, Florida had one receiver go over 100 yards in, in Ricky Pearsall. Um, I, I think Florida's just an okay team. Uh, Graham Mertz did, you know, despite not having an interception, he did put the ball on the ground, and that was a fumble loss. Florida lost two fumbles in the game. Uh, Florida's defense was able to manage four sacks and six tackles for loss against Charlotte. Uh, just a... Uh, I don't know what to make of Florida. And, you know, we've had this conversation a couple times now. I don't think they're very good. Um, I think that they are, I think they're not a top 25 team. And that's just where I'll leave it right now. Trying, and, I'm, and it's not because I'm a Gamecock fan or a Gamecock homer. I just haven't been impressed with, with Florida all season long. I have been impressed with Tennessee at different times, but I think that, um, you know, taking a look at that schedule rank where their strength of schedule is, 88th in the country. I probably should have been a little bit less bullish on Tennessee early in the season, but right now I do see them coming back to earth. Uh, big game here um, and big consequences for Texas A&M. Um, Texas A&M beat Auburn 27 to 10 in um, in Aggieland. Uh, it was a nip and tuck first half. You know, watching this game while we were tailgating, A&M was up six three at halftime. Uh, they did have two touchdowns in the third quarter to kind of give them a lot of breathing room. And then, you know, both teams each, you know, mustered a touchdown in, in the fourth quarter to make it a 27-10 game. The big news out of this game was that Connor Wiegman, the A&M quarterback, has now been lost for the season. So some of you might remember the name Max Johnson. Um, when the Gamecocks were in the transfer portal and, and landed Spencer Rattler, uh, Max Johnson was somebody that the Gamecocks were all also after, and he elected to go to Texas A&M with his um, younger brother, who's a tight end there, um, Jake Johnson. You'll remember that name as well. But, you know, Max looked pretty good. Um, 7 of 11, 123 yards passing, two touchdowns, a QBR of 96.2. Really strong number there. Um, I don't think Auburn is very good despite their 3-1 and record. I think that they're kind of coming back to earth now. Um, so I, I'm not going to take too much away from, you know, Max Johnson's performance. I think the Auburn defense is, is pretty, pretty bad, just to be frank with you guys. Um A&M managed to over 200 yards rushing on the ground. Um, just, I, I still think A&M is pretty good despite, despite their loss to Miami. And, and maybe that's me saying that Miami is a little bit better than I thought. Um, I, I don't know if the Aggies should be ranked right now um, just after you know that Miami game. But I'd put Texas A&M in that same bucket as Tennessee and Florida. Um, just good teams. So the Gamecocks will, will see all of them this season. And uh, you know, for, for right now, 
Um, I think that you know all those games are coin flip games, um, despite what the lines might say when the when the betting odds come out. Um, A and M receiving, you know, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players that um, or seven players that called a pass. Looking at Auburn, uh, their quarterback play was abysmal in this game. Um, they they actually had three quarterbacks or three players attempt passes. The starter Peyton Thornton went six of twelve for forty four yards. Uh, Holden Greenier came in. He went two of seven for eight yards, and Robbie Ashford went one for four for four yards. Um, just what a terrible performance passing the ball. And A and M, you know, has a lot of talent on defense, but there's absolutely no excuse for for Auburn not not managing at least a hundred yards, hundred and fifty yards passing against Texas A and M. Um, Auburn did run the ball for 144 yards on 41 carries, uh, 3.5 yards per carry. You know, looking at the defenses here, um, Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas, Auburn had two sacks and, and four tackles for loss. And the big thing here was the A&M defense. They were just all over Auburn with seven sacks and 15 tackles for loss. That's some um, truly absurd numbers from the Texas A&M Aggies. So, um, we'll see what happens with A&M with Max Johnson. He looked really good against Auburn, but, um, you know, he was second on the depth chart for a reason and maybe he comes back to earth a little bit. We'll see. Um, in a game that you know, kind of goes as expected every year now, uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt, I can remember years ago when this game seemed pretty competitive, uh, Kentucky is just in a different class than Vanderbilt. Now they've kind of gotten to that, I'd say, you know, kind of third tier of the SEC, maybe, you know, going up to the second tier every couple of years. But Kentucky put it on Vanderbilt. Um, they were up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, 24 to 10 at, at halftime, and then scored 21 more points in the second half to get a, a 45-28 victory. Um, this game was at Vanderbilt. Devin Leary still kind of looks kind of, kind of dreadful for me at quarterback for Kentucky. 15 of 29 passing, 205 yards in the air, one touchdown, two interceptions, a QBR of 28.4. Um, you know, Kentucky's still going to pound the rock on the ground, 31 carries for 160 yards, three touchdowns. Um, looking at the wide receivers for Kentucky, um, they had one guy go over 100 yards, long of 55. So, you know, Kentucky, you know, continued to be Kentucky. They only had one sack and, and two tackles for loss against Vanderbilt. Uh, I feel bad for for AJ Swan at Vandy. I think that he's having, you know, pretty tough year. I don't think he really has the weapons around him. I think he's somewhat of a decent quarterback, but you know, he's really coming back to earth now. 16 of 40 for 189 yards, three interceptions on the day, no touchdowns. Vanderbilt really couldn't get the could, could not get the ground game running effectively. I mean, they did average 3.6 yards per carry, 97 yards on the ground, but when your quarterback's 16 of 40. Uh, 97 yards on the ground ain't going to do it for you. I'm looking at Vanderbilt's defense. You know, they did get a sack and and three tackles for loss. So we're almost done with this whip around around the conference. The last game to talk about is Missouri, who defeated Memphis uh, 34 to 27. I thought this was going to be kind of a sneaky game. Missouri is kind of coming off a a big win against the top 15 at the time, Kansas State team. Missouri to me is just still Missouri. They're still solid. I, I, I think they're ranked right now, or if they're not ranked, they're right. They're getting votes. But um, Brady Cook again, eighteen to twenty-five, three hundred forty-one yards in the air, uh, two touchdowns, ninety-point four QBR. Really had a good game. Missouri had over two hundred yards rushing, three hundred forty yards passing. Um, you look at it, Memphis. 
Memphis took had a had a 10-7 lead in the first quarter, ended up being 17-10 Missouri at halftime. And that that was the difference in the game as they traded touchdowns and field goals the rest of the game for Missouri to win by seven. So yeah, that's your whip around there. You know, as we look at the SEC standings right now, we'll start in the SEC East. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are one and zero in conference, four and zero on the season, ranked number one in the country. Uh, Kentucky's one and zero in the SEC, four and zero in the season, not ranked in the national polls. Florida, one and zero in conference, three and one on the season. They're ranked twenty second in the country. Uh, South Carolina is. One and one in conference, two and two on the season. Missouri has not played a conference game yet. Really interested to see what happens when they start playing conference games. You know, Kansas State's a good team and Memphis is a pretty good team, but not not the quality of competition that a lot of other teams around the country have played. Uh, Tennessee ranked twenty first in the country, zero and one in the in the SEC, three and one on the season. Vanderbilt two and three on the season, zero and one in conference play. Get over to the SEC West, and it looks really interesting. LSU's 2-0 in the conference, 3-1 on the season, ranked 13th in the country. Alabama, 1-0 in conference, 3-1 on the season, ranked 12th in the country. A&M, 3-1 on the season, 1-0 in the SEC. Um, Auburn, 0-1 in the conference, 3-1 overall. Um, Ole Miss dropped number 20 in the polls. They're um, winless in conference at 0-1, and they're 3-1 on the season. Arkansas is 2-2 on the season, and obviously lost to LSU like we talked about earlier. And then um, Mississippi State is 0 for 2 in conference and 2 for and 2 and 2 on the season. So you look at look at the week ahead. Um, a lot of good games in the SEC this week. Uh, I think that a lot of games that will kind of tell us a little bit about the SEC um, going forward. You know, once you get past the you know like the first third of the regular season, you really get to get into the meat of the schedule and you see what these teams really are. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about our South Carolina Gamecocks at the end of the show. Uh, but they will play. They will play at Tennessee at 7:30, and that game is on SEC Network. At noon, you can check out Florida at Kentucky on ESPN. Uh, Kentucky is a one-point favorite in that game. Um, also at 12 o'clock on SEC Network, Texas A&M travels to Arkansas. Texas A&M is a six-point favorite in that game. At 3:30, you have Georgia traveling to Auburn. Georgia is a minus 14 and a half point favorite. You know, looking at that game, just me, um, I think that the line's a little bit low. Um, but this is George's first road test of the season. And pardon me, I got to blow my nose for a second. Gosh, my my entire family has this um cold, this kind of fall cold running through our family. My wife, my poor wife, has no voice right now, and and that was me um a week ago. So I do feel for her. If you guys are having this sickness, man, let me know what y'all are doing about it. We're doing, you know. Hot salt water, gargling it. We're doing everything we can, blowing our nose, taking medicine. It's just running through us. But, yeah, back to that Georgia-Auburn game. Um, I don't think Auburn's very good. Auburn will definitely be up to play Georgia. Um, Georgia, if they continue to start slow, you know, maybe that line's correct. But I think Georgia's really going to start turning it on in SEC play. They, they have to to maintain their number one, number one national ranking. At 4 o'clock, you have number 23, Missouri, at Vanderbilt. Missouri is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, so that'll be a good game to watch at 4 o'clock, you know, while you're getting ready for the Gamecock game. Maybe if you have YouTube TV, you can kind of split those games up, watch Georgia and Auburn and Missouri and Vanderbilt. 6 o'clock is probably the premier game in the conference this week. 
Um, at 6 p.m. on ESPN, you'll be able to watch LSU at Ole Miss. Um, the line is LSU minus two and a half. Uh, wow. Well, we'll, we'll I, that, that might be a game I give a prediction on later when I when I do my betting picks at the at the very end of the show. But a big test for Ole Miss. You know, they, are they going to lose two games in a row? LSU going to stay in the national title hunt? You know, I mean, heck, if Ole Miss wins this game, they they're staying in the national title hunt as well. Um, at 9 p.m., you have Alabama at Mississippi State. Alabama is favored by 14 and a half. That game's at 9 o'clock on ESPN. Sorry for the pause there, guys. Um, my dog was crying at the door, and if I don't let him in, he's going to freak out. So that's my Big Spur dog, Max. I um, got him from a, a friend that's a, a poster on the Big Spur. So I um, love having Max in my life, um, except for when he's crying in the middle of me recording. So um, one of the things that I wanted to look back on, and, and some of you might not have been listeners at that time, but I did give my 10 predictions for the Gamecock season this year. And, you know, being a third of the way through the season or, yeah, a third of the way through the season, I wanted to revisit this. Um, so my one of my predictions was that Spencer Rattler will break the passing record of 3,564 passing yards. Uh, Spencer is currently on pace to throw for 4,036 passing yards. So that one, that one looks to be pretty good. I'm excited about that prediction. Uh, one of the predictions I'm not so excited about right now is Rattler breaks the passing touchdown record of 29. Um, right now, Rattler is on pace for um, 22, 23 passing touchdowns. Um, the Gamecocks have, you know, just been in situations where they've gotten down inside the opponent's five yard line and got a lot of rushing yards that way. So, and I don't know if that one's going to come to fruition. Um, I want to pull up, I got to pull the numbers up here. If you look, I also said that the Gamecocks would score a touchdown or field goal on over 55% of their um, games this year on their first possession. So I need to pull up the play-by-play. I know that the Gamecocks scored, so the Gamecocks scored a touchdown against Mississippi State. Um, last week, we all remember that. Um, did South Carolina, South Carolina scored a touchdown against Georgia to start the game. So that's at least 50% right now. Um, against Furman, South Carolina missed a field goal, so they did not. And against um, North Carolina, the Gamecocks punted. So one of these things that is pretty cool for me is just, you know, looking back at these at this stuff, you know, South Carolina has scored a touchdown on you know the first first time they've the first time they've gotten the ball to start a game this season. So that's that's a good one. And I think that that's a big key. We talk about that on this show. You know, the first two possessions of a game, maybe three, for both teams on offense should be relatively scripted. You heard Dowell Loggins talk about that on his um, press conference this past week where he said, you know, you're usually kind of scripting out your first couple possessions starting around the twenty five yard line. And this past week obviously against Mississippi State, the Gamecocks started inside their own five. So, you know, the, the play sheet kind of goes out the window there and what you were trying to script. But if the Gamecocks can score points on their first possession of each game, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, it's really going to set the Gamecocks up um, for, for long-term success each and every game. My other predict- prediction here was the Gamecocks would have two All-Americans, whether that be first through third team. Uh, right now, I don't think there's any doubt that Xavier Leggett would be an All-American so far this season. And for my money, um, 
there's no reason Spencer Rattler shouldn't be an All-American either the way he's playing. I mean, he's not the quarterback on the best team in the country, but his numbers speak for themselves at this point. I think he probably needs to get a couple more touchdown passes to really get to get there. And and who knows? I mean, there might be an opportunity for, um, you know, a Nick Imanwara, a Mitch Jeter. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, if Juice Wells is playing, we saw what he did against Georgia. So that one's looking kind of iffy right now. Um, I did also predict that the Gamecocks would have a two to one um, turnover ratio, where positive two two to one t- turnover ratio, where they would force double the amount of turnovers and they um, they give up themselves. And right now, it's a it's a one to one ratio. Um, if you take out the two interceptions that Spencer threw, it'd be a lot closer to two to one interception rate. I mean, I mean turnover ratio. Uh, but Spencer was just trying to get the Gamecocks back in the game against Georgia, and I don't fault him at all. But you know, at the end of the season, those interceptions still count towards my prediction. Uh, this one I don't think is going to hit. Um, I predicted that the tight ends would have uh, at least 10 combined um, touchdown catches this season. Right now, the Gamecocks only have one touchdown from a tight end, and that is Trey Knox last week. So the Gamecocks are going to have to get Trey Knox and Joshua Simon more involved in the red zone. Um, I did think that Joshua Simon, and I still think he will, at some point will will take a 50 or 60 yarder to the house on maybe a short slant or a short passing passing attempt. But um, Joshua Simon is still a really good player, and the Gamecocks have got to find a way to get him more involved as the season progresses. I also predicted that Pup Howard would be a starter by the Florida game. I, I thought that Pup would would find a way to to get into the starting lineup by Florida. I, I thought he was good enough. I still think he is good enough. I think that the linebackers overall, uh, Debo Williams and Stone Blanton, are playing pretty well. Um, I thought that Pup might get in as kind of like a hybrid starter. You know, maybe um, he's probably best best built to be a sideline and sideline middle linebacker. But um, I still think he has ability to get after get after the pass rusher. And so we'll see if he gets there. Um, but right now, I, I couldn't take him out of the lineup for anybody and feel confident. Uh, I said the Gamecocks will go undefeated at home. That is still on the table. Um, I think that one still might come to fruition. I, I, I don't see anybody left on the schedule that, that I think the Gamecocks will be massive underdogs to at home. So the Gamecocks can go undefeated at home. That would be huge um, for the, just the atmosphere of Williams-Brice, game in, game out, with you know what they show the fans and what they show the, the team and the coaches and the, and the recruits. That would be massive. I predicted that South Carolina would win nine plus games. Obviously, that's a bit of a tall task now with only eight games left in the regular season and, and hopefully a bowl game. So the Gamecocks would have to go uh, seven and two um, over the rest of the season with uh, with the bowl game, or seven and one without the bowl game. Um, I I still think that's on the table. Like I said earlier, we talked about the Tennessees, the Floridas, the A and M's. You know, the Kentuckys of the world, Vanderbilt, Jacksonville State, um, Clemson. Obviously, you know, the Gamecocks have an opportunity to still get to a, get still get to nine wins. Um, you kind of look at, you know, what the team has done so far and how they've kind of matured a little bit on the offensive line with, you know, getting getting Tree in there, getting Trevon Bow, Bow more and more involved on the offensive line. And, and you've seen the results. I think Mario Anderson getting going on the – on the, and the running game will really help the Gamecocks keep them more balanced and and um, yeah I, I don't I don't think that that's a crazy take right now I really don't you're talking about seven more wins with a bowl game that that can definitely happen for the Gamecocks my last prediction was that the Gamecocks would beat North Carolina um, 
So I'm not going to be perfect this year in my predictions, and that's definitely one that you know the best I can get is a 90 right now, a 90 out of 100 if you're if you're grading me on a, on this quiz. So um, those are my predictions. Um, we'll look at those again after after week eight and see where we're at. Um, obviously, we'll know if Pup Howard's a starter by the Florida game by then. Um, hopefully that that um, turnover ratio improves and the Gamecocks can start forcing more turnovers without putting the ball on the ground or into the opponent's arms themselves. And um, really hope Rattler is able to break these records. Um, uh, for my money, he's the most talented passer I've seen in a Gamecock uniform. Um, I'm for the record, I'm 34 years old, so you know a lot of those guys that are before my time um, that a lot of the the, the longtime fans talk about. But I really hope I hope I hope Spencer's able to break those records. I think it'd be great for the Gamecocks to get two All Americans. So, but I said, like I said, we'll talk about those at a later date. Um, moving on to this this Tennessee South Carolina game. Um, obviously, we know all about Tennessee. We know what what they do with their wide receivers, essentially putting them on the on the sidelines to spread defenses out. Um, I think that Tennessee is going to try and establish a running game in this one. Um, and, 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 and know this too, you know, those little, those wide receivers out, you know, out wide, you know, is basically an extension of the run game. So, um, Gamecock defense has to be sure tacklers. They have to, they have to, you know, get after Joe Milton, make him make, make decisions quickly. Um, got to control the line of scrimmage on, on defense, not let Tennessee just run all over them. You know, Tennessee at night, um, it is a crazy, it can be a crazy environment. I mean, they pack a hundred thousand plus people into every game. It seems like, and especially the night games, it's going to be loud in Neyland stadium. Um, I don't think it's going to be any louder than Georgia was um, when, you know, there were big moments in that game, but it's going to be loud to loud to start the game. And the Gamecocks have got to find a way to um, get the Tennessee fans out of the game. Cause it, it it's going to be ridiculously loud. Um, Tennessee is probably the stadium that I've been to most in my life. That's not, you know, Williams Bryce Stadium. I've probably been to Tennessee eight or ten times so far um, in <clears throat> in my life. Um, I do like Knoxville. I think it's a cool city. I think it's a. I think I. I mean, I like Neyland Stadium too. I don't like how narrow the seats are, but you know, it, it really is. You know, one of those cathedrals of college college football. But so yeah, Gamecocks have got to got to get after it early. They got to force the tone on defense. You know, I do think Joe Milton can be inaccurate both on his long passes and his short throws. So the Gamecocks secondary is going to be up to the task and and they're going to try and, and, and throw some bombs out there. They're going to do some some fake checks of the line of scrimmage to try and make the defense show something. Uh, it, it's a really a quirky, quirky offense that Tennessee runs, but I just don't think Joe Milton is Hendon, Herker, Hendon Hooker um, when it comes to that. Hendon Hooker was just extremely accurate on essentially every pass. But, you know, we saw what Gamecocks did in Williams-Brice last year. Um, I think that the, the passing game is a million times better than it was even, you know, lead, especially lean into that Tennessee game last year. And, and you know, South Carolina put 63 or whatever it was on Tennessee last year in Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, nothing scares me about the Tennessee defense outside of, you know, them feasting on inferior opponents with their defensive line and their linebackers and forcing tackles for loss and sacks. The offensive line is going to have to – have to stand up to Tennessee this weekend. Um, obviously, South Carolina has played a tougher schedule thus far. Um, South Carolina has played the number three schedule in the country versus the third time I mentioned the 88th um, most difficult schedule in the country for Tennessee. So, um, looking at some of these statistics, um, Tennessee does average 35 points a game. The Gamecocks average 28.8 points per game. 
total touchdowns, Gamecocks have 16, Tennessee has 18. You look at third down percentage, um, the Gamecocks have a third down completion percentage or um, first down percentage on third downs of 41.8. Tennessee is at 40%. South Carolina is three of eight on fourth downs. Uh, Tennessee is two of seven. Uh, passing, um, South Carolina has 1,360 net passing yards. Tennessee has 936. South Carolina is averaging um, 9.8 yards per pass attempt. Tennessee is averaging, let me pull that up, seven yards per passing attempt. Um, Gamecocks have thrown two interceptions, Tennessee only one. That is one thing I will say about Joe Milton. He does not turn the ball over. He's only thrown one interception um, as a Tennessee volunteer. Uh, Gamecocks have been sacked 17 times for a loss of 105 yards, and Tennessee's only been sacked five times for a loss of 31 yards. So, you know, you look at keys to this game and keeping Spencer clean, giving him a pocket is going to be a huge task because the Gamecock defense hasn't really shown, except for, you know, a couple of bright spots against Georgia and Mississippi State, a penchant for, you know, getting getting behind the line of scrimmage and, and really making the quarterback make some tough decisions. Uh, Tennessee's averaging 6.2 yards per rushing attempt. Uh, Gamecocks are averaging 2.3. Uh, Spencer has unlocked his legs here a little bit lately, and I think that that's going to be necessary against Tennessee. Um, if there is pressure, he's got to he's got to make a quick decision to tuck that ball and, and run towards green grass. and And Spencer talked about that in his press conference this week as well. So I do like the the opportunity for South Carolina to kind of catch Tennessee sleeping. If Tennessee just watches, you know, the the North Carolina film. Some of the Furman film, I mean, some of you know, if they watch the Gamecocks film, I think the Gamecocks are better than what they put on film this year. I guess that's 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 what I'm trying to say, and I'm not doing it very eloquently. But the Gamecocks, I do feel, are better than what they've shown on film this year. Um, you know, special teams is going to be a, a big part of this game, as Pete Limbo said. Uh, Tennessee has a rugby style kicker. Um, I, I believe that he is from Australia, um, and Pete Limbo said that there's been a a lot of Australian punters that the Gamecocks have faced so far this year, but. The interesting thing about this punter is that he actually will run right or left to punt the ball. So, um, Gamecocks have got to got to be got to be you know observant of that. I mean, I don't know if they're going to pull a fake or anything like that on a, on a on a running punt, but um, it does change the you know how you receive the punt and it can kind of kind of mess with you know the the folks on punt return team and the guys going after the punter. But you know I'm. I'm, I kind of feel confident that the Gamecocks are going to do something special on special teams this week. I don't know if it's going to be a blocked punt. I don't know if it's going to be a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. I know that inside the Gamecocks locker room and in the coach's office, they feel like they've had a couple opportunities so far that if one thing had been a little bit different, they could have returned a kick for a touchdown or, or blocked a punt, you know, maybe block a field goal. Um, so, you know, looking, looking for special teams to be special this week. Um, Tennessee's going to play fast. Um, we know that. Um, and that can be a, a blessing or a curse for an opposing team. I mean, if you can get Tennessee out of rhythm, you can start getting after Joe Milton and, you know, he can be erratic on some passes, then, you know, you can get your offense back on the field pretty quickly. I, I do hope if the Gamecocks, you know, do win the, the coin flip that again, they defer to the second half. I think that, you know, there's just, when there's a hundred thousand people in the stadium and you get stopped on third down, that just creates a groundswell of 
emotion and support and momentum for the other teams. So regardless of Tennessee scores first, if they get the ball, whether it be a touchdown or a field goal, I think it sets the Gamecocks up better to receive the ball to start the second half. And then the offense kind of knows what they have to do based on what Tennessee did to start the game. So uh, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm, I'm praying to the Lord above that the Gamecocks have the ability to receive the ball the second, to start the second half. Um, I know that there's been a lot of talk about a revenge game for Tennessee. And I've played enough sports in my life to know that when you get geared up in that kind of manner for a revenge game, um, it can lead to high emotions. It can lead to mistakes. I, I do trust Josh, Josh Heupel when he says that this is just the next game. Last week's game doesn't impact this week's game, and last year's game doesn't impact this week, this year's game. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, you know, when you – and I'll do the math really quick here for you. But, you know, looking at the looking at the line, again, I think it was uh, – yeah, I'm just going to pull it up. Bear with me, guys. Um, 12 points, either – 12-point spread. Um, mm that one's tough, but it's a so 63 divided by two, and I will do that math really quick. That is 31.5. So 31.5. No, that's not. It's 30.5. 30, 30.75. You guys better at math than I am. I promise you that. So they're they're kind of looking at a, a 36 to. 36 to 24 game um, with Tennessee being favored. I don't think that Tennessee is going to score 30, 36 points against South Carolina. I think the Gamecocks will score more than 24 points against Tennessee. Um, For the record, I have already placed um, two bets on this game. I've placed a bet on South Carolina covering 12 and a half and, uh, and a money line bet. The Gamecocks win this game outright. I am predicting that South Carolina wins this game outright. Um, I don't, I don't have a reason not to. The, the only reason that I could say that South Carolina is, you know, going to be heavily underdogs, like to the tune of 12 points, is a night game on the road with 100,000 people. But, you know, player for player, I don't think that South Carolina is outmatched, you know, too drastically on any position group. Um, Tennessee lost two wide receivers to the NFL draft last year. And, and I really feel like Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker were really the, the, the catalyst for that off offensive juggernaut last year. There's just not a Jalen Hyatt on Tennessee's team right now. There's not a Hendon Hooker. I think that South Carolina has the advantage at quarterback, has the advantage of wide receiver. Um, I don't, I can't give the Gamecocks the edge at running back. I can't give the the Gamecocks the edge at offensive line or defensive line. I do think that the linebackers are pretty equal for Tennessee and Florida and, and South Carolina. And I think that Gamecocks probably have just as good a secondary, even though they didn't show it against Mississippi State, as Tennessee, if not a better one. I think special teams go the Gamecocks' way. And I'm predicting the Gamecocks win 31. Let's see. I think the Gamecocks will score three touchdowns and two field goals. So um, I'm saying Gamecocks 27, Tennessee 21. So Tennessee... 21, Gamecocks 27. I think the Gamecocks win this game outright. I'm excited for the game. I always get really excited for the South Carolina-Tennessee game um, after being at Tennessee so much um, growing up. So Gamecocks 27, Tennessee 21. Final answer, lock it in, Gamecocks win. All right, well, let's uh, move on to the the gambling portion of the show, which, you know, is kind of rapid fire. Um, last week, guys, we, we said we needed a big week when we got a big week. 
Um, I was correct on Florida State minus two at Clemson. I was correct at Oregon minus 21 versus Colorado. Um, I pushed uh, Michigan minus 24 versus Rutgers. I won Arkansas plus 17 and a half at LSU. And I pushed the Notre Dame-Ohio State game where I had Notre Dame plus three. So getting really frustrated at Michigan right now. Uh, Michigan has failed to cover a spread this entire season, and I thought they were due. Um, you know, I don't understand how Notre Dame loses that game against Ohio State with only having 10, 10 defensive players on the field for two critical two critical plays at the end of that game when your your head coach is a defensive defensive coach. So, um, you know, on the on the week I was three zero and two. Um, we'll take that every day of the week. For the season now, I have nine wins, nine losses, and two pushes. So we're essentially back to even, and um, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, I'm going to look at these games kind of rapid fire. Um, you know, starting out, we have um, 12 o'clock Southern Cal at Colorado, and I think that at this point, you just have to bet the, the the Colorado games one way or another. It just it makes for an exciting exciting day when Colorado's involved and. And Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is in there. So right now I'm seeing Southern Cal minus 21.5. And, and the game's at Colorado. I don't think Travis Hunter's going to play. Um, I think Colorado is going to be out to to try and try and just you know make sure that everyone knows they're not a joke. Because right now I think that a lot of people think they're a joke um, after that butt whooping that, that Oregon put on them. Um, you know, this is kind of interesting because this is the – Third, three out of Colorado's five games, you know, including this game coming up, they've they've been at least a twenty-one point underdog. Obviously, when they played TCU, um, they they won the game outright as a big underdog. And TCU, we've seen that they just don't have a defense after what Georgia did to them in the national title game, what Colorado did to them. Um, I'm going to take Southern Cal minus twenty-one and a half here. I'm a little weary of it just because I don't trust Southern Cal's defense. Um, I don't think they have the the Dan Dan Lanning mentality that um he put he puts pushed through with his Oregon players, but I think that Southern Cal will just score as many points as they want to on Colorado. So I'm going to take Southern Cal minus 21 and a half. I'm not a believer in Florida, and seeing this this line at Kentucky minus one is weird to me. I would have thought that Kentucky um, would have been an underdog at home against Florida, so that line is just goofy. So I'm going to take Kentucky. Um, and I'm going to take Kentucky Moneyline. You'll get a little bit better odds on that instead of taking the minus one. Um, looking through here, let's see. Uh, Texas and Kansas at 330. Uh, Texas is a 16.5 point favorite at home against number 24, Kansas. I don't think Kansas is for real. I think Texas is for real. So we'll take Texas minus 16.5. Got to find two more games here. Um, oh man, it's hard for me to go against this one. So I got to pick it. Um, we talked about this game earlier. I think that the line's just, just wrong. Um, I think that Georgia's going to beat Auburn by more than, more than 14 and a half points. So we'll go Georgia minus 14.5. I don't think Auburn is good. I don't think they can stop, can stop um Georgia. And on, I don't think they can stop Georgia on offense. And I dang sure don't think that they can get, they can move the ball against Georgia's defense after what we just saw A&M do to them. And the last game that I will pick, okay, here it is. Yeah, I'm going to go Notre Dame minus five and a half at Duke. Um, I think Duke's a great story. I think that they're getting a lot of helium out of their win over Clemson to start the season. 
I think Notre Dame's a little bit more battle tested. Um, I think that Notre Dame's going to have a have a, have an opportunity to try and get back in the national title hunt. Um, you know, losing one game, they're ranked 11th in the country. They're not out of it by any means. This is a resume building win for Notre Dame, and I I just I think Notre Dame's better than Duke. Um, whether it's at Duke and Duke's going to be yeah, this can be an interesting game because Notre Dame's going to have a lot of fans in Wallace Wade Stadium. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's you know, 60-40 Duke fans or 70-30 Duke fans or maybe even 50-50 Duke-Notre Dame. Um, there's a lot of Notre Dame grads and fans in, um, in our area, the, you know, the, the Carolinas and especially you know, this research triangle area. So give me Notre Dame minus 5.5 um, at Duke. Um, just to recap, I'm going Southern Cal minus 21.5 at Colorado, Kentucky money line at home against Florida, Texas minus 16.5 um, against Kansas and Austin. I'm going UGA minus 14.5 at Auburn and Notre Dame minus 5.5. So um, we just talked about the Notre Dame game. So that's going to be it's going to be an interesting week. I went all favorites. So. Um, Got to got to keep this momentum going. Hopefully, you know, get a three and two, a four and one, a five and zero record um, after this week, and we'll get back on the positive side. If you're gambling here with me, but um, want to just take this time to thank you again for listening. Um, I really do appreciate you giving me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. Um, at the end of the day, you can always catch me on late night gamecock show at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with me on the Big Spur under the username Matt Anderson. Um, on top of that, don't forget that we have live Monday shows on YouTube. Um, this past week, we had to move it back to Tuesday um, with some scheduling conflicts, but we'll be back Monday at 9, 9, 9 p.m. on YouTube. It's um, fun to interact with you all through the chat the chat box and had a lot of activity on the chat box this past, this past week, so that was a lot of fun. Um, but I will see you all then. Hopefully, we're celebrating a big Gamecock win. Um, we're, we're shouting cocky top from the rafters, and um, we'll have – have a lot to celebrate going into a bye week. So um, everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend. Um, Go Cox. And we will talk on Monday.